Duke Basketball Corner Podcast. I am your host, Adam Conroe, here with Joe Gaudio and another off-season pod as the season, the 2019-2020 season, inches closer, barely closer. Joe, can you uh, start to feel it coming on? Oh, I can. I This is the time of year that I love. It's The weather starts breaking here in New York, so I can tell that football's on the way, and, and very shortly after, Duke basketball follows, so... Yeah, what do we got? Um, we got uh, October 18th is Countdown to Craziness. Then October 26th, the first exhibition game. We got another October 30th. And then November 5th, it's on. So, I mean, what is that, five weeks until October 18th? We're almost we're almost good to go. So, yeah. yeah, it should be exciting. But before we actually start talking about the current team, although I did finally get to uh, start deep diving the players and I do have some interesting takeaways, but I'll leave that for future pods. Uh, Let's go over some news and notes that have been happening lately. First of all, I think on a past pod, a past couple pods, I think I was saying like, oh, this is a dead offseason for Duke and for basketball in general in terms of, I was always thinking like kind of like most sports where there's the world championships um, and then two years later, the Olympics, two years after that, the world championships. I didn't even realize there was a FIBA World Cup, which um, has been going on. And to start it off, before we talk about the USA, do you think that's more a referendum on me, and I guess you, since you didn't correct me at the time, that we didn't even know it was about to happen? Or do you think it's just, I don't know, with the FIBA, people are only going to care about the Olympics, or it just wasn't advertise enough what why do you think that is or do you think it was just oops we made a big mistake we should have known i i think it's a couple different reasons i think first of all a lot of it has to do with there's just not too much star power involved this year with the fiba Mm -hmm. team so you don't get all the publicity and all the you know all the all sorts of different stuff that goes on with with the lebrons and players like that in the world so i think a lot of it has to do with they just didn't have the star power this year on the team and coach K wasn't there. So I I tend to not really pay as much attention when he's not around. The other is, I mean, I feel like it's just, it's starting to level out now a lot in the playing field. A lot of international basketball is, is, is becoming huge. So the playing field's leveling out. And so just, you know, a lot of these players are deciding to not play in that, in that um, classic and, playing for their countries and all that stuff. And it just seems like they don't take as much, I don't know if they don't take as much pride of it in the USA as some of these other countries do, but I just, I just don't think it's as big anymore. Like it's just not, it's not dream team type of rosters being built anymore. So it's just, the interest isn't just, isn't there for me. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I wouldn't say it's dependent on coach K, but it's like an era kind of ended when he stepped down and right. Popovich through no, fault of his own he's just gonna get the guys who want to be there and there was some really intriguing like there's been ideas of getting maybe 25 and under that that's how they do it and there was a good crop of guys who tried out when the team was being assembled one thing i noticed is that a lot of guys who tried out not a lot but a decent amount of guys who would have had a big impact like the two kings guys De'Aaron fox marvin bagley and some others they at the way end of the process, they kind of dropped out. So when you don't have the best players, that continuity matters a ton when you got all these other 
teams across the world, they play with each other all the time. The continuity is there. The trust is there. The chemistry is there. So when you don't have the top-tier talent, it becomes even more vital. And somebody like Jason Tatum, who was big uh, in an early game, I can't even remember who was against. It might have been Greece when the U.S. barely won. He sprained his ankle, and it's not a major sprain, but he didn't play after that. So U.S., uh, they went down to uh, France, and then they went down to Serbia, who I was actually shocked they lost uh, um, in the – I think they lost to Spain or something, but Serbia was stacked, so I was surprised they lost. But either way, the U.S., not only are they not in the medal round, they're in like – I think they're playing for, like, the seventh, eighth place game tomorrow. Yeah. That's, that's no matter how you feel. I mean, it's got to be – it's pretty disappointing. But would you say it's like – I don't think it's like the chicken little type of thing that, would like, every – the sky is falling like it would have been if this happened a decade ago. I think now there's more respect for teams across the world. Plus, I mean, I guess it's more a matter of you just got to hope the better talent is going to be there for the Olympics when – more people care, or at least I care more, and it matters. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you said it right there. The only the only thing I think about, I just I don't know, I just don't think that it's as big of a a big of an event as it used to be. Again, I mean, it's just not a lot of star power in it, and people love star power. The, the LeBrons, the Currys, and when they're not on the the, the stage in the forefront of these these tournaments or these whatever the the olymp i mean they'll be there maybe for the olympics i would assume but just just the interest level is just not there it just doesn't seem to be there and they, they didn't show much of it on espn there just wasn't i don't know there just wasn't much on there but playing for seventh place is completely unacceptable regardless of what who's on that roster because at the end of the day they still had the best roster of anybody there I mean, there's some guys, like I mentioned the Kings players, they are young and they're not used to playing games that really matter. Going into, uh, man, this shows how much I was paying attention to that. I don't even know where the event was held this year, but just going into whatever country it was and there's going to be some hostile crowds and teams that, like I said, have the chemistry. It just would have been helpful for them, I feel, to be in a big game and like everything matters instead of what they're used to which is just as with the Kings kind of, I mean, they're getting better, but still they haven't really been involved with games that there's a lot of pressure on them. So I think it would have helped. I think being on the, on the world, on the U S team has helped a lot of guys take that next step. Even somebody like Kevin Durant, I think it was like 2010, where it was basically his team. He took the next step after that. I'm not saying everyone's Kevin Durant, but it would have been nice, but either way, disappointing finish for the U.S. For sure. Let's go down. Uh, D- Mike Dunleavy, he was named assistant GM with the Warriors, and I don't know what all these specific titles mean. I mean, it's like Trajan Langdon. He's the GM for the um, for New Orleans, but there's a guy above him, Mike Dunleavy. I don't know what assistant GM means, but either way, I think it's great that he's in that position now, kind of following in the uh, – in the steps of his father, who, while he was a coach, um, he also had uh, had a bit to do with uh, personnel decision-making. So Mike Dunleavy, hopefully he can use that as a springboard to greater things. Yeah, I, mean, I was glad to hear that, too. Mike Dunleavy was always one of my personal favorites. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about a coach's son. You know, he just seems to, you know, he seemed to grow pretty quick through the, 
through the ranks and stuff. And I think he's a he's a great addition to what is already a great organization, obviously. So yeah, was that Brand uh, Langdon um, Dunleavy? I'm sure there's others who are forgetting about. Is there any other Duke in the front office? Um, well, Ferry was at one point, correct? Yeah, Ferry and Billy King were. They're yeah. not currently, but right. uh, yeah, I think it's just great to see all those guys getting positions in the NBA. And while some would love them to come back to college, I think uh, well, e- either way helps. I think the NBA is much more interesting for personnel. We're in college. I mean, recruiting, as we'll talk about, it is uh, almost king. As the assistant coach, you got you got to be that nonstop recruiter. So if you're not into that, then just focusing on the basketball aspect of it might be what they prefer. And either way, more power to them. Yeah. All right. Uh, Will Avery coming back to Duke for his degree. His departure from Duke. There's uh, some still talk about what might have happened in terms of uh, whether Coach K agreed or disagreed with that. But either way, he he's on good terms with the program. And it's just really cool to see him coming back, point guard on Duke's 99 finalist team, what, a team that I still consider the most talented team in Duke history, went down to UConn. But great news that he's coming back. Yep. Yep, and I uh, I remember back that year, I remember we've, we've talked a couple times, I don't think we agree completely that I thought the, the most talented team in Duke history was actually last year. In terms of just pure talent, but um, you know it's good. It's good to it's good to see a lot of these things and good things breaking ways for for the good Duke players and and the players that you know we grew up you know kind of idolizing. So really quick, it was kind of funny. I was I was just looking up random stats and uh, I think no Duke. Te- there's only been two Duke teams who've ever shot over 800 three pointers. Number one is the 2001 team. They, they're far and away. They just launched it nonstop. They shot like <laughs> 1,050 or something. Uh, they led the country in attempts and makes. They were just launching from everywhere. Number two was last year's team, which is so absurd. Like, that should never have happened. They shot over 900 for a team that couldn't shoot. So that's wonderful. Yeah, anyway. that just aggravates me now. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that shouldn't happen. That should not. All right, so uh, two Zion, uh, two, uh, Zion um, kind of things. Uh, Duke, they have cleared Zion. Michael Avenatti. He uh, he said Zion was paid. Duke investigated them, him themselves, and Duke cleared Zion, said nothing happened. I guess the only real takeaway from that is do you think Duke should have been investigating him theirself, themselves? I don't really care about this to, to be much. If, if he comes away, I just have to hope he comes away free and clear from everything. But this isn't – stories like this don't exactly – Unless something bad happened, I'm good with the result. But do you think Duke should have kind of investigated themselves? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they did the right thing by by doing their due diligence just to, you know, make sure that there wasn't any areas in which, you know, Duke was aware of something that should have taken place. So I'm glad they did that. I'm glad they were smart enough to go ahead and do that. But in terms of what went on with Zion and stuff, I mean, we, we, a lot of these, you hear these players constantly over and over and over about all this stuff, and then nothing ever comes out of any of it. 
So yeah, I think, com- I think there was something with Bagley the year before. Where yeah, were, and Wendell for Carter. AAU. Yeah, Wendell, well, Wendell Carter. Carter, that came out like it was like 50 bucks for lunch or something. <laughs> yeah, he right? ate at Longhorn with his mom for 105 bucks. It's like. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, let's let, let the guy enjoy some steak. And I mean, it's <laughs> not that big. At the end of the day, it's, I mean, who is he hurting? You know, so yeah. it's just, I mean, I'm just glad to hear that Zion's able to put that behind him and, and, and move forward with what I hope is going to be a great career, so. Yeah, I was only wondering if Duke should have gotten a uh, kind of a third party to investigate instead of them. But either way, whatever happens, happens. Hopefully it all works out. The old no, the old no. Yeah, we're fine. We, we looked into it and everything's all set. Yeah, so. I mean, when you investigate your own player, it is, it's always interesting when that happens. But uh, I'm sure there's no bias going on there. None. Um, not, uh, another Zion News more uh, interesting is uh, he took the blame for blowing out his shoe against North Carolina. Why he decided to? I guess just because he, I think he he signed with Nike, right? Yes, he did. Yeah, so I guess he wants everything to be uh, wonderful and smell like roses now. So he said he had been wearing it, wearing that shoe a lot, those shoes a lot in practice, and it was his fault for blowing it out. So Nike is, uh, they're off the hook for that, I guess. Um, Marshall Plumley, he is officially an Army Ranger. Good for him. I know he's always been involved. In, in that type of activity. So it's great that he's taken the next step and a seven foot army ranger. That's interesting, but great news. Yeah. I, he, I remember when he was at Duke, I used to always see like pictures of him. It, he used to be big into the R, the RTOC and all that yeah, stuff. That's what when, I'm looking for. Yeah. Yep. So he, but you know, it's good to see a guy like that. I don't know. He's going to stick out like a sore thumb and then he, sort of thing like that at seven feet tall but he's just you could tell he comes from a good family and comes from you know good roots and he you know anybody who's willing to do that and and do that for their country and stuff i mean that's even more of a kudos to him you know yes sir and coach k mr west point and as i'll as i'll say starting in a couple minutes i mean with his assistant coaches when he started off i mean they basically all came from west point so he he was big devoted um, to the Army in West Point. That's where he got his start under Coach Knight. So uh, pretty cool for Marshall. And as a kind of a spinoff in, in terms of what I was talking about with Zion being investigated, California, they are they just passed or they are on their way to passing a law which is going to pressure the NCAA into allowing players to get compensated for their likeness while keeping their scholarship benefits. So I am... I'm, I've always said the, the players deserve to get what they can get. I will always remember there was a book, The Fab Five, where Chris Weber was uh, walking down the street, seeing his jersey everywhere, and uh, his jersey being sold for a ton, and he couldn't afford to go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac. And I know there's some other stuff involved with Chris Weber in terms of the NCAA and stuff, but just that fact of players seeing how much money their their school and just the NCAA in general makes off them. They deserve their cut. So I am all about this. So hopefully that works out, but I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that. I mean I know that it's something that they've been talking about for a long time and in the former Dookie, Billis, is a huge advocate for these guys being compensated some way, somehow. I mean, they put so much time, so much effort, so much travel into a, a sport that makes so much money for the, uh, the for the NCAA that they should be getting some sort of um, 
maybe a stipend or something back because I mean the amount of money that Zion probably made for Duke University last year in terms of just merchandise and all this stuff is I mean I don't know the exact number I wouldn't begin to even know what the exact number is but it has to be astronomical oh it's a ton and yeah different sport but I still remember I mean Twitter can be good for kind of post when you post something it can tell a whole story with one post and the LSU football team their locker room was renovated or their uh, kind of training facility and it just looked like a billion bucks I mean it was amazing just so much money was poured into it and then this student at LSU took a picture of the library which was all run down and said this is our library and it just goes to show you where the money goes to and it's, right. it's interesting. Um, ne- it is. Yep, next is uh, Kenny Blakeney. When we were doing our where are they now kind of thing with ex-players and coaches, I didn't realize, actually, I forgot this, even though this is his first year, so he was just named the Howard coach. Kenny Blakeney, he uh, he was a red shirt um, when he first came to Duke, and he didn't end up making a huge impact. He was there during the dark times of the mid-'90s, but he was uh, Duke tr- um, tried and true, and he was named Howard coach. This is his first year at Howard, really uh, rooting for him to succeed. Um, the HB, uh, was it HBCUs? I, I am rooting for them to succeed because it's always a struggle for them financially. I mean, they take these games both in football and basketball and just get slaughtered by the top teams just to get a little bit of money. So, I mean, their non-conference schedules are always, like, really impressive, but they're all, like, 0-10 entering the conference season. I just... I want those teams and those schools to get some success. So hopefully Kenny Blakeney can do well with Howard. Yeah, that'd that'd be great. It's a lot of these teams, and and it's very rare. You saw Kentucky, uh, I believe it was Kentucky a couple years ago. Didn't they go to Robert Morris and play in Robert Morris? Or every now and then you see these big schools go to small, like gyms and universities to play teams, but it's very, very, very rare. So now, if, if you want to play Duke or you want to, you know, get some sort of exposure, you have to go to Cameron and play in Cameron. And like, let's be realistic, 900 times out of 900 times, you're going to lose that game by 30. Like it's just going to happen. So if they're able to bring some, some, you know, a piece into the smaller universities and stuff like that, I think that's great for college basketball. Okay. Two quick Duke updates. And then one thing with me whining, um, John Shire was on Jordan Sperber's pod. Check that out. I haven't listened yet, but uh, that should be interesting. Jordan Sperber, he is great. Let me see. What is his pod called? His pod is called, oh, no, this is um, Solving Basketball. With Jordan Sperber's pod is Solving Basketball. As everyone knows, I'm a big Sperber fan, so I'm interested to hear what he talks about with Shire. Then the Duke-Kansas Champions Classic game, that has officially been named the opener for the Champions Classic, that is at seven o'clock, and you are going to that, correct? I am, and I am very upset that it's a seven o'clock time slot. But I'm a big, I'm a very emotion. As we spoke in the past, I'm a very emotional Duke basketball fan, win or lose. So um, I was hoping to watch a basketball game before watching the Duke basketball game. I was, but I guess either way, either way, I'll be there in. I, wasn't it you that mentioned you? We were mentioning the other day that we actually looked at Andy Katz's most recent um, rankings, and they had the top four teams in the country were all four teams participating in the Champions Classic. So, I mean, could 
couldn't pick a better event to be at, I guess. So just be glad to be there and just hope we have more points at the end of the game than Kansas does. So. Okay, and let me just quickly whine. I am, of course, I, I happen to be stuck with Comcast. Comcast is the only network that does not have the ACC network. So I don't know what I'm, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm, I honestly don't know because I think the deal is like they have their contract with ESPN the way it is until the end of the season. So there's just no way I don't think they're going to be able to have it unless I'm wrong about that. It's just, and I've actually tried contacting like Hulu saying like, can I just get this one channel and nothing else? And no, it's not possible. So I mean, it's really disappointing for me because I, I honestly – I'm going to miss not just, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a couple of Duke games, but also just there's going to be a ton of games with the ACC that I would love to see, and I'm not going to get to. So it's just really weak for them not to get that because, I mean, I already pay an arm and a leg. I deserve it. But that's that's me being annoyed, me being angry, and <laughs> whoever doesn't have content, uh, Comcast or Comcast slash Xfinity, good for you because those of us who, those of you who are like me, it's pretty annoying. Actually, let me ask one more thing before we get to the recruiting. There, with the, with the NFL, the first game, college, I think it was like the first game. That was like Miami, Miami, Florida. Florida. Yeah, yep. the NFL. It was uh, Green Bay. Someone. Um, and the Bears. The Bears. The Bears yeah. Like those were really ugly, rusty games. And last year, actually, for a couple of years, I've been saying I would love for the Champions Classic to be like the first Tuesday after the Super Bowl when all eyes kind of switch over and are on that because, I mean, if you remember, I mean, Duke was – Kentucky wasn't ready for Duke last year and the other game, Kansas-Michigan State, was just really ugly. It's kind of how it is a lot of the time where it's just rusty and for some reason they want it to be the first game. I always like them having two regular season games, even if it wasn't against top teams, just – games that weren't exhibition right. before they, they play the uh, the Champions Classic. So how do you feel about the Champions Classic being each team's first game? Because I would love it if you didn't see I mean, the Big 12 and SEC, they have a uh, kind of like the ACC Big 10. They do, they do that, but they do it about halfway through the conference season, like February. And I think that would be really cool if the uh, Champions Classic was the first – uh, Tuesday after the Super Bowl is that crazy? I mean, I it's because it's gonna get huge ratings no matter what. But I guess they like starting right. off the bang. I I don't think it's gonna. I don't think they'll ever change it. Unfortunately, I don't think that. I think they're they're trying to start the season off with the best teams as possible. And as much as and Duke bias aside, I mean, let's be realistic. Duke is spotlight at all times in college basketball bottom line so they're going to make sure that they're front and center when they play now Kentucky and so I I think it's a good idea in terms of you know having a couple dress rehearsals before you play for the first time but the idea of thinking Duke Kansas or Duke Kentucky or Duke Michigan State midway through the season when they're both at their best is you know definitely has me wanting that to happen but i just i just for the sake of money and stuff i just don't see it happening yes especially since um since with the uh the acc season being expanded to 20 games and some games i think duke has dropped two of the non-conference games where it was always big matchups so 
and you never know if those ACC teams, the extra two, are going to be good ones. So it's kind of disappointing because it was always nice to have that home-and-home home as well as another big game in the non-conference season. I guess we'll see. It's just it, it's always a thought in my head when I see the Champions Classic, and it's understandably both teams are just kind of developing and kind of feeling themselves out as well as the opponent. So it's, it's just interesting. And here's a post-recording news and notes insert because Joe and I, we recorded on Thursday, what was it, uh, Thursday the 12th, and Duke actually released their schedule right after we finished recording. So unfortunately, I didn't even know that was going to happen, um, but I do want to get some thoughts out real quick on the schedule. Home and home, Duke is playing North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and Miami. So two of those schools obviously were added on because uh, whereas it was a 18-game schedule in the ACC on the past couple seasons, now it is a 20-game ACC season. So when you think about the fact that Duke isn't playing a home-and-home non-conference anymore, I mentioned this kind of on the news and notes a couple pods ago where they used to play like Temple, St. John's, UCLA, all that. Now that's gone. The kind of that other big non-conference game like last year was Texas Tech. That's gone too. So hopefully in the future we'll get some more interesting matchups because, I mean, they're always going to play North Carolina. but And it's cool to play NC State. Actually, they play all the North Carolina schools twice. Virginia Tech and Miami, I mean, no disrespect to them. It's just it, I wish kind of the home and home was against like Louisville, Virginia, or Syracuse, considering Duke isn't playing those two games I said they have in the past, non-conference. So it would have been nice to have the big game. So now with the ACC, who knows? It may end up being a lot better than I think, but it's the most unknown and inexperienced ACC I've seen in years, or I believe will occur in years. So I'm not sure if every game is going to give Duke a chance for a big win like it always has before and uh, I'm not I don't go deep into strength of schedule and all that but you don't have to go deep to understand that if you're playing teams that aren't great in Virginia Tech now they're rebuilding they lost buzz so and Miami they're not expected to be great either Uh, so I mean Duke's got to win this and yeah, I mean the the they they have to they have to win and the, it's just two big games. It's unfortunately they won't play that they have in the past. Okay, home only Louisville, Pitt, Florida State, Notre Dame. Louisville, that's cool. They get them at home. Louisville's going to be a big game. They might they might be the best team in the ACC. Road only Virginia, Syracuse, Georgia Tech, and Clemson. Virginia, guess what? It's a le- it's a leap year game, February 29th. So that's interesting. Uh, another takeaway: both UNC games are on Saturday, so that that that's that's great. I mean, obviously, more uh, more attention will come to the games. Um, ACC Network: four of the first five games are on the ACC Network, with the possibility of six. As I explained, I'm one. Of, I'm one of the special few who doesn't have the ACC network because of Comcast Xfinity, so it won't affect most people. You'll get you'll get to see it. Hope I'm trying to figure out something to do, and there is also a possibility of six other games that haven't been officially announced for a specific network, 
um, that could go on to the ACC network. But four of the first five games are there. All right, so two games before the new year. December 6th at Virginia Tech. I mean, playing that early in the ACC, that's crazy. And at Virginia Tech, it's usually a house of horrors. But again, buzz gone. Uh, Duke should be able to handle that somewhat comfortably, hopefully. And then December 31st versus Boston College. New Year's Eve game. The last New Year's Eve game was at Virginia Tech to the 2016. Grayson was actually suspended that game. It came after Elon. And uh, when uh, there was an incident, I think his name was Steven Santa Ana. And that game didn't go well. And Grayson was unsuspended for the next game. So, yeah. So hopefully it goes better than uh, the last New Year's Eve game, which Duke lost. Uh, that was uh, 2016 on December 31st. I believe that is uh, pretty much everything that uh, can be said about the schedule. I mean, we knew most of it already, so it's just a matter of what teams is going to be the home and home. Again, North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, and Miami. Um, oh, there is also one other thing: uh, Saturday, Monday, the dreaded Saturday, Monday turnaround. So February eighth. I think that's uh, FSU. They play at UNC, then versus FSU. And then March 2nd, February 29th at, at UVA, and March 2nd versus NC State. So they have two of the Saturday-Monday turnarounds. The game against Florida State comes after three road games, though, at UNC. It's not exactly traveling far, but I think they play like Syracuse and another team up north. For the other road game, but that's Florida State after a three-game road trip. All right, guys, that sums up the recent news and notes. I recorded this with Joe as part of a recruiting deep dive. The whole history of Kay at Duke and how he's recruited, the factors that go into it, the errors, all that, all that good stuff. And what I did is then after I'm recording another part of it kind of an add-on bonus where it goes a little deeper so those two parts together I think the amount of time just I thought it was a better idea to release this one separately because these off-season deep dives I kind of want them to stand on their own so I don't want it to be thinking I want to release the bonus stuff as a separate episode. I think it belongs with the rest of the recruiting. So we can have that general recruiting talk that I think everyone would be interested in who's a Duke fan. Plus the the deeper, the more specific topics for those. There's hopefully those who are interested in that as well. So I want to keep that together. I want it to be lasting where, hey, a couple years from now I can go back and just get a sense of the recruiting history by K without having to go through two separate episodes. So it was a good idea just to release this uh, news and notes as a totally separate, I guess, mini episode, if you want to call it that. But uh, either way, I think it stands on its own. And I am releasing this on a Monday, Monday, September 15th. I will most likely drop the recruiting deep dive on Wednesday, Wednesday the 17th. I'm sorry, Monday it's going to be the 16th, so that'll be Wednesday the 18th. So you can expect 
the recruiting deep dive Wednesday the 18th. And uh, yep, that's all. That's all I gotta say about that. So, thank you so much for listening to the Duke Basketball Corner podcast. I will be talking to you soon.